Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome to LettermanRow.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. That is Spencer Holbrook. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Byers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to Byers Auto, especially anywhere in central Ohio. They will hook you up. Spencer, how was your vacation, man? Although we, we you, you took a vacation and the recruiting world decided to get really, really busy. And so I think Buckeyes fans should thank you. Yeah, I guess when I leave, things happen. So it was good, though. I got the recharge a little bit. I uh, was watching some recruiting from afar, a far, far away place, far land. But now I'm back, and I'm ready to um, talk stuff. A lot of stuff happened, man, as we said. So the Buckeyes had three commitments um, in the last week and a half since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. I can't breathe for the first time. Um, All right. We've, yeah, I mean, it's going to be that kind of day. So um, the first one, obviously, for Ohio State, we're going to talk about is JT Tui-Milowau. That one seems sort of important to people. Uh, I'm not sure why. People like talking about him. Um, I I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say about it, except for just that um, clearly Ohio State was in a position here for the last 16 months where they felt like, they had a good read on what he wanted and what he was going to do. And I think what I've learned really in the last week, more than anything, Spencer, is that last, last time we talked on this show, I said that I believed that if JTT had a day off between his Ohio State and Oregon visit, that he probably wouldn't have visited Oregon. And I feel more convicted in that thought than I did before based on what I heard out in California at the opening and from talking to some people around his recruitment. I agree with that. And, and you wonder if he kind of regrets uh, being, you know, going straight from Columbus to Eugene or wherever he flew into, because it, that is just tough. You know, he, he, once the Ohio State visit happened, we heard good things. We, you know, Ohio State was cautiously optimistic, maybe a little more optimistic than they had been any time before because they finally got to meet him. Uh, you do wonder if he would have canceled that visit and if this would have been wrapped up a couple weeks ago. Uh, but, but the end result is the same result. And JTT took off the the uh, the coat and had the Ohio State sweatshirt on, and that's really what matters in the end. Yeah, and, and ultimately, it's about him finding what he was looking for all along. It's what I said on Letterman Live on Monday. Is that he, he sort of always knew that Ohio State, from a big-picture perspective, had a lot of the things he was looking for. Um, and, and the trip, the, the official visits were really just to validate those feelings. And obviously, Ohio State knocked it out of the park. 
even though they went and did things a little differently than they've done before, you know, the Polynesian approach at the airport, the, the, uh, the shirts, the lays, all that stuff. I mean, it seems silly on, on the outside looking in. And I, I imagine even if you talk to some people at Ohio state on the inside, looking out, it probably felt silly, but you know, after that sort of extraordinary recruitment, it, you may have to step outside of your comfort zone and do some things that are a little bit different um, to just show a kid that, hey, you know, we've been waiting for you for a long, long time. Uh, and now he's there in the class. He's not yet there in Columbus. The expectation and or the hope from the Ohio State side is that he arrives on campus at some point uh, towards the end of this week. And uh, I, as soon as that does happen officially, I'm sure Letterman Row or uh, uh, Ohio State itself will have some sort of update on, on that and officially joining the roster. So we can put the JT to a saga to bed forever. Thank goodness. It seems like every year now there's the one of these things, dude. There's like Jackson Carmen, there's Zach Harrison, there's there, there's always these one saga that won't end. And uh, thankfully, in the last handful of years, most of them as long as they've gone on, have turned out in Ohio State's favor. Um, and a lot of these long, long recruitments have yielded positive results. But I think one of the most interesting things about this entire recruiting cycle class of 2022, I think, could turn out to be the recruitment of Terrence Brooks, who we don't know that much about, to be honest. I mean, he's a kid that Ohio State offered on June 14th. He took an official visit on the week of or June 21st and 22nd. And was committed to Ohio State on June 30th. And, you know, this is a kid who was pretty much hell-bent on going to Alabama. His dad played at Texas A&M. Uh, it, it was really what Kerry Combs does best is, is he got a kid on campus and showed him a plan that was much more detailed and much more uh, aligned with what that kid was thinking about in life than he'd seen anywhere else. And to, to have that happen, to make that visit to Ohio State, then go back to Alabama, the school he had been long linked to. He went to Alabama four days later and still came out of it thinking about Ohio State. It says something, man. I mean, I don't know exactly how um, how comfortable Buckeyes fans should feel, Spencer. Like, oh, is this recruitment solid? Like, the defensive back recruiting from here to the end of uh, this, you know, signing period is going to be a little bit kind of, I think, maybe some walking on some eggshells for people, but. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Terrence Brooks from Little Elm, Texas, um, a kid that's six foot one, 180 pounds, Ohio state measured him in at that size. Um, during his visit, he was, he's listed on his profiles at five eleven. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there because those profiles happened two years ago when kids were at camps, you know, in 2019, since 2020 didn't have any. So I think you'll see a lot of these adjustments to the class of 2022, because they haven't had a chance to get seen in person until recently. So have you had a chance to even look at Terrence Brooks' film, Spencer? Most of this stuff happened while you were on vacation. A little bit, but but I'm I'm not as concerned with the film right now as I am just the way that this all happened. I think there's a couple factors that you can chalk it up to. I think one is the Ohio State staying power in Texas is absolute. And it's not going away no matter what Texas does, no matter what Texas A&M does. The brand, Ohio State brand in Texas right now is undeniable. It is massive, and it has a lot of pull. Number two is the way Kerry Combs recruits. You're seeing that play out better now than you did in the 2021 class. And the 2021 class was still great for the Buckeyes when you look at Jalen Johnson, Andre Turrentine, Jansen Dunn, you know, the, the three cornerbacks that, that they brought in. The, the class was a good class. But when you when you have Kerry Combs meeting these guys in person, they get to hear from him in person. They get to see the details that he puts in everything. It ju it's just different. And and to have now Jaheim Singletary and Terrence Brooks and Jair Brown. And I know I'm missing a couple guys, but to have all Ryan, those guys. Right, Ryan, Ryan Turner. I mean, and here's the thing. They're not done. They want two more guys in the secondary. And it's going to become, as I said, that those eggshells that people are going to walk on. It's going to become a little bit of a, of a delicate dance for Ohio State from here on out in this cycle. Because no matter how honest you are with kids, you know, they've told all these kids. They've told all the safeties that, that they're recruiting. Wampa and, and Zion Branch is the top two remaining. They've told them, we want three safeties. We want four cornerbacks. So it's not a surprise to any of these kids when it happens, but it's still going to be uh, requiring some ego management and some very, um, you know, 
good defensive recruiting for Ohio State here because they're going to be under attack by, by, by programs around the country, especially in Florida where teams are trying to flip Ryan Turner and Jaheim Singletary very, very hard. Um, you know, Ohio State is going to be put in a position where they, they are required to really let these kids know this was the plan all along. You knew this was the plan when you committed. Nothing has changed. This is how you're going to be used. This is going to be your role versus J- Jair's role or versus Shaheem's role or versus Ryan's role or versus uh, Terrence's role. So everything is about management at this point. And what's going to be fascinating is to see how that discussion bleeds over into the 23 class because it's already being used against Ohio State in that class. That, hey, well, now look, at they got all these corners. And, and, and ultimately, Kerry Combs' responsibility is to make sure Ohio State has five, six, seven cornerbacks that are quality cornerbacks. Because last year, when Cam Brown got hurt and tore his Achilles tendon against Penn State, Ohio State's cornerback room was empty. And there was no one else. And they simply cannot put themselves in that position again. And so now you have this rebuilding of the roster. And it's not Jeff Halfley's fault. I think it probably goes back to 2018 more than 2019. Um, but, you know, Ohio State is put in a position here where they didn't have a lot of depth in the secondary. And now Kerry Combs is forced to really try to to stack it uh, with the 2020 class, the 2021 class and the 2022 class. And what you'll see is a very, very narrow, precise, precision uh, effort in 23, where maybe one, maybe two corners and one safety is going to be the goal in that class. So, but they really want to build that up right now. So, it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know, for Ohio State fans, are wondering, why are you taking all these corners? Why are you taking all these receivers? You know, we'll talk about those in a second. This is about making sure there's depth, because as Bobby Carpenter said on Letterman Live on Monday of this week, it's not just about making sure you have guys to play on Saturday. It's about making sure you have guys to practice Monday through Friday, because you can't always count on the guys on Saturday being available all the time during the week. You need scout team players. You need guys to play against them. You need quality players to make practices better. And ultimately, Ohio State believes Jaheim Singletary, uh, Ryan Turner, and uh, Terrence Brooks, and Jair Brown at corner are NFL-type players. Yeah, and I think you know you said this goes back to 2018, and it goes back – there's a lot of factors that play into – six defensive backs last year and possibly seven this year if they can get seven in the class you look at two guys were kicked off the team and and at the in 20 early 2020 that hurt the depth of the roster in from a pure football stance they hurt the depth of the roster you look at a guy like tyreek johnson who just didn't work out in the program that hurts depth when you look at different guys who have come in and out of the program the depth took a big hit and then you add injuries to that and you add youth to that with you know, Ryan Watts maybe not being completely ready last year when when the Buckeyes probably needed him. Now you need six in one class, seven in the next. And and that's just the way the recruiting cycle has worked. It's a tough spot to be in. But if there's a couple guys that can manage it, I think it's probably Matt Barnes and Kerry Combs. And they're doing a great job of it right now. Now it comes to, like you said, playing de- playing defense for the defense and, and really yeah. locking these guys in. I think it's it's a little telling that Jaheim Singletary's recruitment has gone quiet a little bit. I know we're back to a dead period, but, you know, I was a little concerned when Terrence Brooks commits and you're getting the Jaheim Singletary taking other visits, but that seems like it's it's calmed down a little bit. Maybe those were put to bed uh, when he visited Ohio State, but it's going to yeah. be a, a wait. I don't, know if they, I don't know if they were. I think that's just people. one of these things that people are going to need to understand about Jaheim Singletary. This is not a kid that wants to talk about his life. Uh, his football decisions he's going to do what he wants to do and ohio state's job is to just keep building that relationship with him it was was there a um a mea culpa of sorts that happened on his official visit probably was there some sort of agreement that they reached an understanding of how things should go uh yes does that mean that all concerns are put to bed absolutely not this is not a situation where jaheem singletary has said anything he's not told any one person 
whether it's in the media or at Ohio State, that this is done. I'm, I'm never looking at another school. This is, I, I'm, so I don't mistake his going quiet because he's always been quiet for him being, um, you know, no more concerns, no more worries. You should always worry. I mean, if you're an Ohio State football fan and you have a cornerback commitment from the state of Florida or any other position, really, from the state of Florida or anywhere outside of the Midwest, you should always worry because it's 2021 in college football and life is way different than it was a long time, you know, a decade ago. And I think that that's another reason why we'll wrap up this this portion of of the discussion. It's the reason why the rosters you look at them and say, okay, well, they took six defensive backs in 2021. Why do they need seven? And I'm telling you, it's what I said on Letterman Live. Again, I don't mean to keep plugging that show, but a lot of people maybe don't go to that portion of the Letterman Road YouTube account for recruiting stuff. Um, anymore, you almost have to assume that these scholarship these scholarships, once they're signed, are pretty much three-year deals. One way or another, after three years, the Ohio State's going to know if a kid is going to be around or not. And you're either going to be off to the NFL because you're so, you know, capable and, and ready to go, or you're going to be looking for another option in the era of open transfers and that kind of stuff. So I, I think that roster management is going to become a much, much different beast in the next couple of years. And I think simply put, Ohio State's trying to get ahead of it because you just don't know who's going to be on your roster um, six months from now. And it's, it's only going to get weirder and weirder. So your, your job as a coach and as a program is to just bring in as many good players as you possibly can and then let the you know stuff fall where it may. And that doesn't even include, you know, you said college football is a lot different than it was a decade ago. Berm, right now, college football is a lot different than, different than it was six days ago. Yeah. June 30th yeah. was a completely different world in college football than July 6th. And I know, uh, you know, it's not as maybe crazy of an NIL world right now as we maybe expected the first five or six days, but it's still a developing storyline, developing process. And these recruits are kind of learning the ropes as they go. And I think that it could have an impact on, you know, a recruitment of Jaheim Singletary as a five-star guy, you know, well, Hey, you know, other programs, Hey, you've got seven defensive backs in there. Are you sure that you can get the best endorsement deal in a crowded room like that? You know what I mean? Like those kind of things, yeah will happen. And so it's a lot different right now than, than it was even during the open recruiting period seven days ago. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, there there's a lot of finagling and a lot of uh, trying to figure out what how exactly this plays out. Uh, at wide receiver, Ohio State added Kojo Antwi on Monday. That was one that I think surprised a lot of people, Spencer, much like Terrence Brooks. But, you know, this was a kid who, and he said it in his episode of Bermanology, talking about his commitment, like, Everyone around him wanted him to go to Texas A&M, and he, he did, decided he wanted to follow his own path and pick the Buckeyes. And um, I think that that is something that should make Buckeyes fans feel good uh, because it's, he's obviously feeling like he knew what he wanted. Um, but then you also have to kind of sit there and go, okay, how, how, how are these next six months going to go for him? Because if everyone in his family – you know, do they get on board immediately? Do they decide, hey, we understand this is the best – fit for you and this is what you chose um, and then support it? Or is there still some undercurrent of like, you know, maybe you should reconsider. I, I think it's fine. Um, Ohio State obviously did not intend early in this cycle to take four wide receivers. But when you lose Elijah Gardner and Jalen Harris on the back end of the roster, when you lose Mookie Cooper and Jamison Williams to transfers, when you know you have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson leaving after this upcoming season, and then you have you have question marks around Cam Babb and his health. You have the likelihood that Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming or will be off the roster after next year. Now all of a sudden it becomes incumbent on these coaches to make sure that they they really load up. And again, people look at it and say, every time I'm telling you on our Facebook you know account, sometimes we'll see anytime we post a, uh, an update about wide receivers or. Um, an update about a commitment at wide receiver, the, the reaction from readers and subscribers and message, you know, messages on Facebook are, do they recruit anything else? Why is it just receivers? Can Brian Hartland recruit some offensive linemen, blah, blah, blah. Like he's just doing his job, man. Like that's, that's the job is to get as many players as he can. And he is really, really, really good at that. I mean, Brian Hartline, man, he, uh, he just keeps plugging along. He keeps grabbing these, 
top 150 players, bringing them in, and and he's going to start pumping them out of the NFL now. It's just about that time where he starts doing that. And it's a, it's a credit to him to to be able to navigate against Georgia, Texas A&M, those caliber of schools with three receivers already committed and say, hey, this is the opportunity that you can have. And I think, I think, Berm, the wide receiver spot is almost a little bit like what we talked, we've talked about before with quarterback at Ohio State. If you have a chance to come in for a couple of years and learn from Ryan Day at quarterback at Ohio State, you're going to do it whether you end up as a starting quarterback or not. Because then if you do end up not painting out at Ohio State, you can transfer and have all of that experience under the wide receivers or under the quarterbacks coach. It, I, I feel like we might see that at wide receiver as well. You get a couple years under Brian Hartline, you find out, hey, next year I can go to the NFL or, hey, next year I can transfer and and play somewhere else because I've got the experience from Brian Hartline. Those are really good options to have. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with any of these guys, but I do think it's something to monitor moving forward. These guys understand the opportunity Brian Hartline gives them to learn under him for a couple of years. Yeah, I think one of the more interesting subplots heading into this Ohio State season is the career track of Brian Hartline because I don't think any, there's any doubt that uh, he has the potential to be an absolute, you know, world a star as a coach. I mean, he already is, uh, but that rocket ship is about to really take off. And Ohio State's in a position with him where they're going to need to find some way to make sure that they have a really clear de development path and career path for him, not just him for his players. So uh, I don't think he's a kid or kid, a guy that is ever going to really want to leave Ohio State if he can help it. I think he obviously chose to come back and, and work at Ohio State on his own of his own volition because he just really enjoys being in Ohio and around his family and all that stuff. But there, there's going to be some uh, some interesting Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maneuvering that has to happen with him and his salary, him and his responsibilities and I guess that's up to him though, right? I mean, he has to decide that's what he wants to do. So does he want to be a head coach? I mean, those are the questions that are going to come up and you're going to see some teams make a real run at him in the near future. And Ohio state's going to have to counter that. So anyway, Spencer, that's the week that we're uh, on the recruiting trail uh, as you were gone. Um, your turn, your turn to sing. Since you've been down. No, okay. Don't, don't do that. Um, no, I was, I was I was playing it more of a pitch perfect since you've been gone, not the uh, Kelly Clarkson since you've been gone. So it's a bunch of different pitches, you know. Yeah, that makes that makes actually a lot more sense. And probably the way I should have played it at the start, but whatever. Um, so we we're, we're 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 rolling here, Spencer. We're talking stuff. We're rolling. What is it since you've been gone that you've been like? Hey, I wonder what that what's going on there. Make sure you say it that way though. Since you were on like the beach. You're on the beach, so like, be like, "Hey, bro, like, what well, happened there?" As much of a beach guy as I was last week, you were a California kid, so I think you True. should have that more wow. than I should because I just went to a, a, a North Carolina beach where you, what were, was that, you were a California what was that kid. Sketch, what was that skit on Saturday Night Live where they're the where the, with the mirrors and the like the blonde hair and they're all like, <gasps> and they all get in the mirror and they're you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the, yeah, uh, whatever. I can't remember the the fake soap opera. <gasps> Anyway, well, um, what has been on my mind? What has been on my mind is the Ohio State offensive line recruiting that just seems <sighs> to be moving, but not forward. I don't know yeah. how to really describe it. It's like the wheels turning, but there's no forward movement. There are a whole lot of wheels turning, and I think that's the problem. Everyone visited in the last four weeks, like the entire remaining list of offensive linemen. Uh, outside of Billy or, or Joe Brunner, who committed to Notre Dame, um, everyone else that visited Ohio State in the last month is still in play. Um, that goes to from Emil Wagner to Addison Nichols to Billy Shrouth to Cam Dewberry to Ernest Green, who was the only one of these guys that visited unofficially. Um, and again, I've I, I know I, I've had the internet 
poke fun at me in the last couple of weeks because I said that the plan for Ohio State is to only take three offensive linemen. Um, and that makes no sense to me, but that is the plan. So I don't I don't know why people would make fun of me. Uh, it's yeah. not my plan. It's not my plan. Uh, I think the Buckeyes should be taking four offensive linemen. I don't know exactly how they will. Here's They have 16 commitments already, Spencer, in the class of 2021 or 2022. Um, and there isn't a like clear-cut, defined answer of how many guys they can take in this class. And so there's pretty much every guy they take requires something else to happen on the back end right now because they don't know the answer of exactly how many scholarships are available because of the super senior stuff and how it plays out. So they're, they're trying to wait to get some answers there. Um, but understanding that there are 16 commitments in this class and they have one offensive lineman committed and zero defensive lineman committed. And they know for a fact they're waiting for at least two more safeties. So how does this play out? They want five defensive linemen in this class. Okay. So now that's seven more guys, and then you take two more on the offensive line, which is the plan. That's 25. And all of a sudden, this class is completely full. So um, where do, you know where else does it play? I think this class is going to be closer to 27 guys than it is to 23 guys, if that makes well, sense. I think, it, I, I think that it may end up being that way, but I, I'm confident in saying that right now, Ohio State doesn't feel great about that idea. Because they don't know how these, they don't know where these scholarships are coming from, and so I, I hate to interrupt you. I, I think I'd love for you to interrupt me. Do it. When when you look at the construction of this roster and the talent on this roster, and Ohio State's not going to want to hear this, and Ohio State fans might be a little uneasy hearing this. This team is going to be, and this is the rare part of the show where we get into the roster construction, not just recruiting. This team is going to be absolutely loaded with talent. I mean, it, it, it's going to be one of the most talented Ohio State teams we've seen, and and I'm a firm believer in that. The exodus to the NFL will be larger than Ohio State expects, and that, that's a I guess that's a bold prediction, if you will, from me. The exodus to the NFL will be larger than Ohio State expects, and I think that's something they're not, like I just said, expecting right now. But the way it's going to shake out, I think there will be room for 26 or 27 guys in this class because you look at different guys who can leave. They're probably already chalking up Zach Harrison to leave. They're, they, they know a couple different guys. Like Harry Miller could potentially leave if he has a great season at center or guard, wherever he may he may fall. Um, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, um, you could have attrition at running back. You could have attrition elsewhere um, just naturally with, with the way the roster goes with the transfer portal and one-time transfer rules and things of that nature. The way the roster is going to shake out, I think there will end up being room for 26 or 27 guys. How does that happen? I don't know. Yeah. But, but I think the attrition is coming in a broader and bigger sense than Ohio State probably expects right now. And that's why I think this class will inflate pat to 25 or beyond rather than staying from 21 to 25. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any disagreement. I don't know that any way I can disagree because clearly the the – the numbers are there. They already have 16. It, just knowing that they want two more offensive linemen, five defensive linemen, and two more defensive backs, that takes it up 25 right there. Uh, if they add another linebacker, which has always been up in the air, now you're talking 26. Um, it's certainly, there's going to be a markedly different look to this roster next season than people uh, than there will be this year. So how it happens, I don't know. But, I mean, offensive line – I guess how how do you want to talk about this? Let's let's handicap it. I guess um, I don't know how to handicap things. What does it mean if something's so, a one to two, two to one, three to one? I don't believe that anyone has like really winning odds right now to be the guy that goes next. There has been a lot of discussion about Cam Dewberry, who told me that he was close to committing when he made his visit, um, and crystal balls have all flown in the Ohio State direction since he returned to Texas. I think it's safe to say that he is one of those guys that's really close. There is some uh, debate happening right now in George Fitzpatrick's household about what he wants to do, from what I understand, um, with a decision from him that could come potentially within the next week. Um, or at least, I don't know if that means an announcement comes in the next week, but his, his father, Mark, told me um, that they're narrowing things down and that they'd like to have it figured out by the end of this week or, or early part of next week to see exactly what he's going to do. Um, Billy Shrouth, who 
is, you know, obviously a really talented player from Wisconsin. I think that he's a guy that you, the Buckeyes are in a much better position for than people believe they ever could be. Um, I think that's an Ohio State and Wisconsin battle, not an Ohio, not a Wisconsin Notre Dame battle. Carson Hinsman, the center from Wisconsin, is one of those guys that I don't know exactly if he's the right body style for what the Buckeyes need right now. I think you need one of those kids that's at six foot five, three hundred and twenty pounders who can maybe play tackle or play guard. Um, Addison Nichols types the. Uh, Cam Dewberry's earnest screens. I don't know, man. I just don't know how you say no to any one of these kids, especially when we're talking. Let's just presume that Cam Dewberry and Ernest Green, who are my, in my opinion, are the two best fits for what they're trying to build on the offensive line, along with Tegra Shibola. If you have those three guys, you have just, I mean, some massive, massive dudes that are entering that offensive line room. But I don't know how if Billy Shrouth or Addison Nichols or George Fitzpatrick uh, or Emil Wagner, who are closer to those true, um, especially Wagner, Shrouth, who are more closer to that true tackle body style that the Ohio State is lacking right now. I don't know how you say no to them. And so maybe that stretches the class even to 27. If you're taking another linebacker, maybe you have to sacrifice a linebacker. Um, obviously the plan at linebacker was three. That's why they had Desan McCullough committed early. Um, but maybe now that adjusts based on whatever happens with Paul Neoteote and his ability to get, um, you know, officially onto the roster at Ohio State. So there's all these moving parts that I, I think are still in the air. But I don't know how, how Ohio State doesn't take four linemen in this class. Well, and that's the weird part where the linebackers might be tied to the offensive line, which is odd to say. Uh, but I think Ohio State's done at linebacker. That's my personal opinion, I think. Uh, the safety bullet position will help alleviate some of the pain of only taking two linebackers in this class. And so will the addition of CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers being as good as they are. With that being said, said it's going to be very difficult to navigate this often, these offensive line waters, uh, if you will. Even a guy, you know, on the outside looking in, like, uh, you know, Ohio State's not really in the lead or, or in truly in the mix. We don't believe with Zach Rice, um, Tyler Booker, but those are two guys that you could not say no to. Those are two yeah. home run home run style guys. Cam Dewberry is another home run style guy. You're not going to, going to say no to him. Emil Wagner is an in-state guy that that you really like to have on the roster. He's the kind of guy you want on the roster. Ernest Green reminds me of Wyatt Davis, and it's not just because of the St. John Bosco um, connection. He, he looks really, really, really good. And then Addison Nichols is awesome. Billy Shrout is an awesome player. George Fitzpatrick is a really good player who's really flying under the radar and starting to get that recognition. Carson Hinsman's a guy who you would love to have in your class. I just named nine guys for basically two spots, two spots. for Ohio, yeah. two spots for Ohio state, three spots. If Ohio state is being honest with itself, that it should probably take four. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything. Now you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It, it's, it's a weird place to be in if you're Ohio State, and it's good to be in the running for all these guys. And, and you know, it's, it's good to have the the number of, of guys that that you really would like that are interested in you as well however nine guys for two or three spots is a really tough place to be in yeah and it's going to get tougher like i said because in these next few weeks a lot of these kids are going to start trying to make decisions and so if you're Ernest green for example who is intending to wait until the season he wants to take official visits he, he has one scheduled for ohio state for the uh september 11th game against oregon like you don't know for sure that that spot is going to be there. And Ohio State really likes her in the screen, but are they in a position where they could say no to two other guys that they're recruiting, not knowing for sure if Ernest Green is going to be in the class? I mean, because now you get into the position where if you tell if Addison Nichols, for example, decides he wants to come to Ohio State, and the Buckeyes are like, "Well, we're going to wait and see exactly what happens with Cam Dewberry and Ernest Green," and then Addison Nichols ends up at Tennessee or Georgia or or USC or Florida. How many times can that happen before you run out of options? And then all of a sudden, now you're onto the you know fifteenth or or twentieth guy on your list. 
uh, if Addison Nichols leaves somewhere else and then Ernest Green decides he wants to stay home and go to USC or go to, to Georgia or Texas himself. So there's all these weird moving parts. And I don't even know that there is a defined uh, list right now, like a defined pecking order of saying, okay, this is exactly who our favorite is. I think that there are guys who seem to be better fits. Um, there, you know, Emil Wagner, for example, is obviously a great fit from a culture standpoint, but he's three years away from being able to contribute on the field, probably at Ohio state. Is that something that is, if do you, can you, is that easier to say, no, let's move on than it is to a kid that could contribute next year? Or is it harder because he's from Ohio? Like there's a lot of these things that are going to be, uh, in the air. I almost feel like an, I'll, this is that part of the show where I say something and people are like, oh, why did Berman say this? Um, it sometimes feels like Emil Wagner to me is like Blake Miller-ish where it's like, I don't I don't know that that's where, really what he wants. Um, I think he obviously grew up loving Ohio State and the idea of playing there is something that he's like really interested in as as he grows up. But I don't think now that it's here in in reality that it's actually maybe his style or preference. Um, and I think that'll, you know, lead to some some discussions um, with him and figuring out, hey, is this where you want to be? Because if it is, you probably need to let us know because Ohio State's preference is always or there's a deference paid to Ohio kids. But at the same time, if he's not sure that 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 fit personality wise is correct, um, if that fit like from a. You know, Ohio State, you got to be a pretty demonstrative personality type to really succeed there, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, you can. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. You have to kind of grow into your personality a little bit to fit at Ohio State. Yeah, and I don't, you know, Emil has a great personality. He's a great kid, but it's still different just, you know, being a very aggressive type A personality that's like, you know, uber confident in what you do. And for whatever reason, I don't, I just don't know that Emil has that same vibe uh, or if he wants that. I mean, it's like Brendan Vernon, for example, who, you know, we haven't talked about it yet on talking stuff since he committed to Notre Dame. Um, it, it was pretty clear to me about two months ago from talking to Brennan that he was looking for a smaller campus size, a little bit more of a private feel as opposed to that, big in-your-face spectacle that Ohio State football is all the time. And, um, you know, I don't think I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I think this is the part of where, where people need to understand that not every kid is the same and not every kid who grow, grew up in Ohio, even if they grew up rooting for Ohio State and wanting to play for the Buckeyes and, you know, pretending to be Joey Bosa in their backyard when they were running around playing football as a kid. Once you start to get that opportunity and you see it in front of you, you have to make a decision about what's actually best for you. Um, and I think a lot of Buckeyes fans can't fathom the, the, the idea that someone could have the opportunity to play at Ohio State and then say no thanks, even when they dreamt of it their whole life. But like a kid like Brennan Vernon, except he wanted a smaller campus. He wanted a more of a private feel and, and more the ability to kind of step away from the spotlight of football. And you can't do that at Ohio state, especially as an Ohio kid. So when he decided to commit to Notre Dame, um, I think he actually probably made that decision even before he made his Ohio state camp visit. And that similar to um, what happened with JT to Malowal, like who was just trying to make sure he took that visit to Ohio state to make sure it felt like what he thought it was going to feel like. I think with Brennan Vernon, it was a matter of him deciding I need to take this Ohio State visit to make sure that the way I felt at Notre Dame was what I thought it was. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not it's not a knock on Ohio State in, at all. The Buckeyes were recruiting Brennan and, you know, would have definitely said yes to Brennan Vernon if he wanted in the class. Um, and there was a belief on their part that they, they thought that they would get through that uh, second visit to Notre Dame and have that opportunity. But, you know, for Brennan, it was about small town feel, small, small feel. Um, and I don't know necessarily that Emil Wagner is looking for that, but I also feel like he may be looking for something that's a little less crazy. And Ohio State football is crazy. Uh, Berm, real quick before we get out of here. I know people love hearing that because they love these these short shows. Um, well, it's 40 minutes right now. I mean, come on. Yeah, but 
people want an hour burn. They want an hour. Uh, real quick though. Well, well they uh, can pay for ours. They can pay for our upgraded Zoom subscription. <laughs> uh, let, let's. Can you can you tip me on Twitter yet? Is Mike? Do I have that tip ability? Yet? You do not. You do not. Okay. Listen, folks. Whenever you go to my Twitter account and you see that you can tip me on Twitter, if you want us to do hour long shows, tip me on Twitter. All right. And we will put that money directly to a Zoom subscription that allows us to go more than 40 minutes. And guess what? I'll talk for two or three hours. I don't care. I'd like to hear myself speak, number one. And I like to talk about football, number two. And I'm just along for the ride. But let's go from offensive line to defensive line in 2022 real quick. Um, it's another thing where it's a lot of guys. I think it's probably a six-man thing, more so four or five than it is uh, – uh, you know, nine with the offensive lineman, but Caden Curry is obviously the leader. And then behind it, you've got guys like Chris McClellan, Hero Canoe, Christian Miller, who seems to be trending toward USC, Kenneth Grant, who's an under the radar guy that Ohio State really liked uh, in June. Nick James is, is still, I guess, in, you know, he, I think he visited Ohio State. And then Curtis Neal, I think, visited Ohio State as well. These guys, there's a lot of them and, and not a lot of spots, but Caden Curry is still the leader. Yeah, and Curtis Neal committed to Wisconsin. At the, uh, he was not going to be a player that Ohio State was ready to, to say yes to at the time at the point uh, of his announcement on June 27th, and for a number of reasons. Number two, he, he only played two games of his junior year of football. Um, he tore his ACL and is not going to play his senior year. The Buckeyes really would have liked to have had more time to evaluate him as that recovery process happens and as he gets closer to December. Um, and so that's what you run into there. Uh, Nick James is a player that was very close to committing this past week. He was, had set an announcement date actually for July 3rd. Um, and then within hours took that back. I think that probably may be a result of talking to some of the bigger schools on his list and realizing that he needed, they needed him to wait a little bit to figure out what, uh, dominoes, uh, get knocked over in some other directions. The, the real thing here for Ohio state, especially at defensive tackle, which is what you really are naming off there. Caden Curry is that combination type, right? He can play inside or outside. He's a Nick Bosa, six foot four, 265 pound combo guy. He can be in or out. Uh, but he is absolutely barned on top of the list. And behind him right now was Hero Canoe and Chris McClellan. And if I'm being frank, uh, I would have expected McClellan to be committed right now. Um, but he isn't. And he's kind of seems like there's maybe some folks around him asking him to Hey, take a step back. Don't feel like you need to 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 go. Uh, don't feel like it's you're you're forced to make a decision because uh, he's not. Ohio State certainly asked him. Hey, we want you to be the first guy in the class, and they think that he's a the right fit for that defensive line group. But between McClellan and Hero Canoe and Chris uh, or Caden Curry, those are sort of the the top three at the top of uh, the defensive tackle list. And then you look on the outside. And it's actually tightening up, I think, a little bit. Omari Abor, uh, Kenyatta Jackson, and Eni White. I, this is entirely based on just my own feeling and what I'm just trying to read between some lines here. I have not talked to Eni since he returned from his visit. He's been very – he's a hard guy to talk to. Um, but uh, it seems to me like that one is – going in in Ohio not I'm not saying Ohio State's like the leader or the favorite but I think that they are certainly much more involved in that recruitment now than they were before his official visit and I think that when we talk about Ohio State and, and we gush about it a little bit occasionally to the point of people you know calling us homers or whatever the things that they do really well on these visits they did very very well on these visits and they made sure that Eni White understood the value of Larry Johnson uh, as opposed to the value of Alabama or Georgia, or, you know, th this is about making a personal connection with someone as opposed to just saying, Hey, come here, spend two years in our football facility and then go to the NFL. Like this is a, this was a about trying to show a kid that there's a different way and that you can still get to the NFL in three years and you can still be that dude. Um, but you can do it in a way where it's, it feels more authentic and, and less, uh, you know, just manufactured and pushed through. Um, and, and that was evident pretty clearly to me in the tweet that Eni White had during his visit where he said the personal relationships are, you know, are worth more than money or something like that. Uh, and I'm not saying that, I'm not suggesting he was saying other schools were offering him money, but I think the the big picture idea here is that 
the relationship with Larry Johnson could be worth more to him down the road than just the opportunity to play in the NFL um, or, you know, whatever money people are offering as far as name, image, and likeness or under the table, you know, illegal money. I don't know. I mean, I, you can, the tweets out there, you can see it yourself, read whatever, read whatever you want into it. I'm, not, I'm trying not to think of it from a nefarious standpoint, but uh, I think the Buckeyes are in that mix. And then with Kenyatta Jackson, Spencer, they're they're one of the top two. I don't know who the other the other school is. I think it's Oklahoma, um, and a decision from that one is probably going to come soon as well. And then they're still in the mix for Omari Abor. And, and oh, he's a guy, oh yeah, that guy, the five star, right? The five star guy that you know I wrote about him for our morning newsletter this morning. You know, it's a simple Instagram comment, but JT Tuimaloa is now recruiting for Ohio State, and that's a big chip to have uh, with Larry Johnson. You compare. JT Tuimaloa, uh, Jack Sawyer, and Larry Johnson all recruiting for Ohio State for this class of 2022 and the class of 2023. Things could happen, and and guys are are lining up to play for Larry Johnson. I think you know it's it's odd because has priorities with you know I don't want to sound like we're old men yelling at the sky, but like as priorities change for as priorities change for kids, Larry Johnson remains the same, and it almost feels like these kids are starting to understand more what Larry Johnson could provide for them than they even were when, you know, uh, 2018 and 2019 class were coming in. These 2022 kids, every time you talk to them, the power of Larry Johnson, the 2021 guys, the power of Larry Johnson is, is massive. And they, they understand that I believe maybe even a little more than they used to understand it. Let Let me just offer my thought on that. And it's because if everything else is the same, and then there's Larry Johnson, then what's, then everything else isn't the same. You know what I mean? Like every one of these schools is going to have great facilities. Every one of these schools is going to have the opportunity to win a national championship. When you're talking about Ohio state, Alabama, LSU, Georgia's Clemson's blah, blah, blah. Like all these schools are going to be fighting for the playoff every single year. So the difference is what, what do I get out of this? What am I getting? Not what is the school getting? And when you're dealing with Larry Johnson, these kids are getting something different. They're getting the education uh, of of an elite masterclass defensive lineman that they aren't getting elsewhere. That's not to say they're not being great players elsewhere, but the opportunity to learn from Larry Johnson. And then you see it just coming to fruition in the NFL every year when the Buckeyes uh, defensive linemen heading off into the league are dominating the NFL. Uh, it, it's hard for these kids to look at that and ignore it. Um, and you know, in the words of Bobby Carpenter, who I'm sure has said this multiple times, dudes like playing with dudes, right? Like, so a lot of these kids are are looking at that roster and going, "Wow, uh, I'm going to be better by being there, where where there is other linemen like me. There's other opportunities to to fit that role and and to go in and learn from great players and learn from Larry Johnson and be a part of something at Ohio State where you know." Right now, it's one of it's one of the two top programs in the country, and I, boy, Spencer, if you look at the way Ohio State's recruiting, it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down anytime soon. And last thing before I shut up for the entire episode, if Ohio State does what we predicted at the beginning, towards the beginning of the episode, with the twenty six or twenty seven, first recruiting crown is one thousand percent in play. Uh, it's definitely in play. We'll, I mean, we'll see if it can can pan out. The Buckeyes were obviously in that spot last year and thought they were going to be, you know, really competing with Alabama. And this is the way it goes, right? The 2021 class, now that JTT is in it, is the highest ranked Ohio State recruiting class of all time. And they still are 15 points behind Alabama because Alabama had 29 signees and the Buckeyes had 22. So if you can find a way to mix that up and get you into that 25 range, 26 range, um, there's certainly no reason to think that the Buckeyes aren't going to be competing at least again for the, the one of their two spots in the, in the country and recruiting. And funny how that works out, Spencer, those teams that keep winning uh, the keep being the top one or two ranked teams in recruiting, keep being the top one or two ranked teams on the field. Seems like there might be some correlation there. We'll have to look into it. Well, I think we should look into it. Do stars matter? Um, yes. They do matter. Stars matter, folks. And you know what else matters? You, Spencer. Thanks for being back. Thanks for having me.
Hey, glad to do it. Uh, that, that's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast. If we didn't get something you wanted us to talk stuff about, I'm sorry. Please let us know in the comments and maybe we'll do, you know, a, a little smaller show at the end of this week uh, just to catch up on a few things that maybe we didn't talk about. But anyway, big week and a half for Ohio State. Three additional commitments. Uh, Terrence Brooks, JT Tumaloal, Kojo Antwi, and a whole lot more coming for the Buckeyes over these next few months, specifically on the offensive and defensive lines. And we're going to keep diving into that every time we talk stuff. Thanks to Byers Auto for sponsoring us. Thanks to you for listening to us. Goodbye. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.